Chapter Nineteen of the Rebel of the School by Mrs. L. T. Mead. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nineteen: Ruth's Troubles and Susie's Preparations. The next day, the suppressed excitement in the school grew worse. It is sad to relate, nevertheless, it is a fact that Kathleen O'Hara openly neglected her lessons. She kept glancing at Susie Hopkins, and Susie Hopkins once very boldly winked at her. And when she did this, one of the under-teachers saw her. Now, there were certain rules in the school which all the girls were expected to keep, and winking and making faces were always prohibited. But the teacher on this occasion did not complain of Susie. There were so many other things to be considered that she thought she would let the matter pass. Ruth Craven was in her class, and more than one girl remarked on Ruth's appearance. Her face was ghastly pale, and she looked as though she had been crying very hard. Alice Tennant was also in her class, and she looked very bold and upright and defiant. Nothing ever induced Alice to neglect her studies for did not the scholarship depend on her doing her very utmost? She worked just as assiduously as though nothing was happening. But each foundation girl, at least each who had joined the wild Irish girls, pressed her hand against the front of her dress, so as really to be certain that the little locket, the dear little talisman of her order, was safe in its place and each girl felt naughty and good at the same time anxious to please kathleen and anxious to adhere to the rules of the school and each girl resolved that if she had to choose between the school and kathleen she would throw the school over and give allegiance to the queen of the society but ruth's unhappy face certainly attracted attention cassandra Wilden noticed it first of all in recess she went up to her and took her hand ruth she said you must come home with me to dinner afterwards we can have a good chat and then you shall have a room to yourself in order to work up your lessons for miss renshaw but what is the matter ruth you don't look well i am quite well answered ruth but i don't think i'll be able to come back with you to-day cassie oh what a pity dear is your grandmother ill no she is quite well and your grandfather they are both quite well it is no it's not nothing for it is something but i can't tell you please don't ask me you look very sad i feel miserable i wonder said cassandra thoughtfully ruth looked at her there was absolute despair in the eyes generally so clear and steadfast and bright. At this moment, Kathleen O'Hara was seen passing through the playground in a sort of triumphant progress. She was accompanied by quite a tail of girls. One hung on her right arm, another on her left. A third danced in front of her, and other girls followed in a thick procession i feel like a queen bee that has just swarmed she remarked in passant to cassandra weldon her rude words the impertinent little toss of her head 
and the defiant glance out of her very dark blue eyes caused cassandra to stamp her foot ruth she said i don't like your friend kathleen o'hara but i love her said ruth that is just it she makes you all love her and then she gets you into trouble but getting into trouble for a friend doesn't make you hate that friend said ruth well i fail to understand her i agree with alice tennant about her a girl of that sort fascinating handsome dangerous works havoc in a school listen cassie said ruth suddenly a good many people will be saying bad things about kathleen before long and perhaps you will be questioned i know that alice tennant has been questioned already will you promise me something cassie you look so imploring that i'd like to promise you anything but what is it do take her part when the time comes you are certain to be asked but i don't know her how can i take her part you can say oh the kindest things you can explain that she has always been bright and gay and loving and kind i don't know that she has cassie said ruth your goodness to me has been almost past understanding but i could hate you if you spoke against her for i love her just then a teacher came out touched ruth craven on her arm and said will you go at once to see miss ravenscroft why you have got into a scrape ruth is that why you look so pale and excited and distressed said cassandra she spoke in a whisper ruth's eyes looked full into hers god help me she said under her breath cassie if you knew if you could guess you'd pity me ruth turned away and followed the teacher into the school a moment later she was standing before the headmistress now ruth said that lady i have given you as long a time as possible are you prepared to tell me what you know of the wild irish girls ruth was silent i can't give you any further time there is to be a meeting of the governors at four o'clock this afternoon a special meeting convened in a hurry in order to look into this very matter if you don't tell me in private what you can tell me i shall be obliged to ask you to appear before the governors in that case it would be a matter of insurrection on your part and it is very doubtful if you would be allowed to remain in the school it is very cruel to me began ruth my dear the path of right is sometimes cruel we must put this matter down with a strong hand do you or do you not know where kathleen o'hara and her society are to meet this evening i've been thinking it out said ruth i've had no one to consult if i were to tell i should be a traitor to kathleen i did not care for the society although i love her i joined it at first i can't quite tell you how but afterwards i left it i left it entirely for my own benefit there is a girl in this school whom you all love and respect i don't suppose any other girl in the whole school bears such a high character her name is cassandra weldon of course i know cassandra weldon 
said the headmistress. She is our head girl. She is, and she is not proud, and she is, oh, so kind. She offered me a very great help. She presented to me a tremendous temptation. What was that, Ruth? Miss Ravenscroft began by being cold and indifferent. She was now really interested. You can sit down if you like, she said. But Ruth did not sit. She only put one pretty little hand on the back of her chair, as though to steady herself. I will tell you everything that concerns myself, she said. I don't mind how badly you think of me. I had joined the other foundationers as a member of Kathleen's society. Then Cassandra presented the temptation. She offered to give me the services of her coach, Miss Renshaw, to work up for the Adelaide scholarship. That means sixty pounds a year. We are poor at home, Miss Ravenscroft. My grandfather and grandmother are very poor people, but my father was a gentleman, and my mother was a lady, and their great longing in life was to have me well educated. My grandparents can scarcely afford the expense of keeping me in this school. I know I am a foundationer, and my education is free. But there are other small expenses that have to be met. Even for me to live at home is almost more than they can compass. You can therefore imagine the great and wonderful delight of being able to secure a scholarship of sixty pounds a year. I could scarcely have managed it without this help. It was noble of Cassandra to offer it, and I... I accepted it, Miss Ravenscroft. After that, of course, I couldn't remain in Kathleen's society, for Kathleen and Cassandra hate each other, and I couldn't be one moment with one girl and another with the other, so I gave up the society and joined Cassandra. But I can't now betray those who were my friends. I have made up my mind. I can't. You have really made up your mind? Quite. Quite indeed, I cannot. Do you know what this means? I can guess. We shall be obliged to call a meeting of the governors. You will be had up before them. If you still persist in keeping your knowledge to yourself, they will be obliged to strike your name off the school roll. You will not then be able to get their Adelaide scholarship. You are a clever girl, Ruth, my dear child. The whole thing is a mistake. You do wrong to conceal insurrection. I can tell your special friend Kathleen, who will no longer be queen of the wild Irish girls, tomorrow morning, that I have forced this confession out of you. She will not hate you. She will forgive you. She will understand. My dear, why should you sacrifice everything for the sake of this naughty Irish girl? Because I love her, and because it would be mean answered Ruth, as now she burst into tears. Miss Ravenscroft talked to her a little longer, but Ruth was firm. When she left the headmistress's presence, she felt a certain sense of almost elation. Now I don't feel so absolutely horrible, she said to herself. Of course, I will face the governors. I will just say that I don't know, but that I can't tell. Yes, I believe I have done right. Anyhow, I don't feel quite so bad as before I went to see Miss Ravenscroft. Meanwhile, Susie Hopkins was having a busy time. She went to school in the morning, 
but as soon as ever lesson hours were over she flew back to her mother's shop there mrs hopkins awaited her with a tray full of good things now susy she said tom will help you for i have got him to promise he will borrow a wheelbarrow and all the things can be stacked away tidily into it and he will take them straight off to aunt church's house with you immediately after dinner you had best spend the afternoon with the old lady and encourage her all you can it is a blessed relief to have two months of that debt wiped out and i am very much obliged to you child and i will help you all i can you can't think how exciting it is mother said susy and you know the best of the fun is they are making no end of a fuss in the school they are trying to find out all about poor kathleen's society in order to put a stop to it and to call the foundationers to order but the only effect of the fuss is to make more and more of the girls want to join i saw kathleen for a few minutes this morning and she said that she had twelve applications for badges already to-day but she told the new girls that they had best not come to the meeting to-night as there wouldn't be room for them kathleen is in the highest spirits she is just laughing and dancing about and looking like a sunbeam dear dear said mrs hopkins i do hope it's nothing wicked you girls of the present day are so queer there's no being up to half your pranks it would be a sorry day for me if you were banished from the school susy oh i won't be it will be all right anyhow this is delicious fun and i mean to go on with it what have you got for the old lady's tea mother well now look here of course she's only going to give tea to miss o'hara and miss o'flynn i haven't seen that lady and yourself and tom that's about all and tom will have a pretty keen appetite said susy i'll tell miss kathleen that she is to be at aunt church's house quite half an hour before the rest of the girls so that auntie can have her talk with her and arrange about the almshouse and also that kathleen and miss o'hara may have their meal in comfort what's the grub mother tell me at once bread and butter said mrs hopkins beginning to count on her fingers a pot of strawberry jam oh galumptious burst from susy a plum cake better and better cried susy a little tin of sardines some ladies are very fond of a savoury yes mother quite right and so is auntie for that matter you haven't forgotten the watercress have you here's a great bunch of it you must turn the tap over it and wash it as clean as clean and what with new old legs and tea with cream in it and loaf sugar why i think that's about enough so it is mother and it's beautiful but mother i do think aunt church would relish a pound of sausages it isn't often she has anything of that kind to eat she lives very penuriously you know mother well i suppose i can fling in the sausages i'll just run round to the shop and buy them now then eat your own dinner susy and be quick tom has eaten his and has gone to fetch the wheelbarrow from dan smith the cartwright mrs hopkins's programme was carried out tom arrived at the door with the wheelbarrow about two o'clock the provisions were stowed safely away in the bottom and covered over with a piece of old matting 
and then tom and susy started off both boy and girl were in high spirits the day was as fine as it had been on the previous day and susy chatted to her heart's content my word said tom i must be in it but you can't tom you are a boy that would be the final straw if the ladies of the school and those awful governors were to come along and to see a boy in the midst of forty girls i do believe we'd all be put in prison you must clear out thomas make up your mind to that as soon as ever you have handed over the things to aunt church you wait and see said tom you may suppose you are a favourite with aunt church but you are nothing at all to me i can just twist her round my fingers it's a fine time i mean to have i won't worry you at all when you are having your commotion in the yard for the matter of that i'll creep into the pigsty with brownie and we can look over the doorway oh tom you are certain to be discovered and you'll just pinch that pig and make him squeal like anything tom laughed i mean to have my fun he said and don't you suppose for a moment that i'm going to funk a lot of stupid silly girls how much do you think i'm going to eat miss i am sure you are going to be horribly greedy but perhaps when you see miss o'hara and miss o'flynn you'll take a fit of shyness it's to be hoped you will shyness cried tom what's that it's what you ought to have tom and it's to be hoped you will have it when the time comes looks like it cried tom rubbing his hands in a meaning way never frightened of anybody in the whole course of my life mean to have a lark with your pretty miss kathleen mean to get a sob or two out of that charming miss o'flynn mean to coax auntie church in to give me that microscope when she moves across the sea to ireland tell you susy i'm up to a lark and the best of the supper goes down my throat now you know and there's no use watering for what can't be cured must be endured tom hopkins is part and parcel of this here feast and the sooner you make up your mind to endure me the better susy felt slightly alarmed but she knew from experience that tom's bark was worse than his bite and she trusted to aunt church desiring him a peremptory manner to go when the time approached and to tom's being forced to obey her they arrived in good time at their destination and mrs church received them figuratively with open arms and now began the real fuss and the real preparation tom took a brush and kicked up as aunt church expressed it no end of a shindy the little sitting-room was a cloud of dust the table the chairs and the little sideboard were pushed about everything seemed to be at a loss until susie peremptorily took the duster out of tom's hand and reduced chaos to order then the tea was unpacked a very white cloth from mrs hopkins most precious store was produced real silver spoons from the same source made their appearance a few cups and saucers of good old china were added the table looked as tom expressed it very genteel then the provisions were placed upon the board now we are ready said mrs church and i must say she added 
that i am pleased i have known good genteel living in my lifetime and i expect that providence means me to know it again before i die susie and tom you are both good children you have your spice of wickedness in you but when all is said and done you mean well and i may as well promise you both now that when i get to ireland i will have you over in the holidays you will enjoy that won't you thomas see if i don't aunt church and i always was your only boy wasn't i and you won't mind old lady say you won't mind leaving me the microscope when you cross the briny i'm fairly taken with that microscope i dream of it all night and think of it every minute of the day come here and look me in the eyes tom said mrs church tom went over out of his freckled face there beamed two honest light blue eyes his forehead was broad and slightly bulgy his carroty hair was cut short to his head mrs church raised her wrinkled old hand and laid it for a minute on tom's forehead you resemble your great-uncle my husband she said he was the cleverest man i ever came across he had a real turn for the microscope then of course you will leave it behind you of course you will give it to me said tom quite triumphant with eagerness no my boy that i won't if you are a good boy and do me credit and get on with your books and do well in that calling which providence means you to work in why i may leave it to you when i am called hence tom there tom said susie coming forward don't worry aunt church any more she's got plenty to think about won't you turn him out now aunt church it is time for you to be dressing you know so it is said mrs church looking round her in some alarm whatever is the hour child it's going on for six o'clock and they will be here at half past seven at the latest very well said tom if i must go i will have a talk with brownie he looked at susie as if he meant to defy her but susie was too wise to anger him at that moment as soon as ever he was out of the house she fetched hot water soap and a clean towel having helped old mrs church with her ablations she produced a clean cap and a little black shawl the old lady said that she felt very smart and refreshed and altogether in a state to do honour to that dear little almshouse i am quite taken to you susie she said but i do hope you will marshal those dreadful girls into the back yard without any frightening my hens or brownie pigs aren't remarkable for their sensitiveness said susie but i tell you what aunt church tom's after mischief he means to witness all the proceedings of dear miss kathleen's great society and we oughtn't to let him he would do a lot of mischief if the school heard of it and we would most likely be expelled he don't mind a word i say so will you talk to him auntie but he can't be in the yard without being seen you say that they are bringing lamps and will make the place as bright as day yes but he will be in the sky with brownie and he's as good as she'd he'd give her a pinch to make her squeal oh indeed i'm afraid that must be put a stop to said the old lady send him to me this minute susie went out and called her brother 
There was no answer for a minute. Then Tom appeared, looking somewhat rakish and dishevelled. Brownie and I were chumming up like anything, he said. Then he pushed Susie aside and walked into the old lady's presence. What she said to him even Susie did not hear, but when the little girl returned to Mrs. Church, Tom was nowhere to be seen. Has he gone home, Aunt Church? she asked. You leave the boy alone, was Mrs. Church's answer. He's a good boy, and the mole of his grand-uncle, and I'll leave him that microscope. See if I don't. End of chapter 19